Hey, this is Faith, and you're listening to Heartsick. The thing about motherhood is having children just puts the whole world into perspective. Everything else just disappears. Motherhood is amazing. Smile, it just flashes, you know, a little smile and his eyes would light up. Then it's really hard. We depended on each other. You know, everybody talks about having a tribe, you know, a tribe of people, mm-hmm. prayer people. Um, we really didn't have that. We had each other. And then incredible. And just, like, hold them so fiercely and tightly. like. And then it's everything in between. Mm-hmm. Do you want something to drink? I would love something to drink. What do you want? Coffee? I can make tea? Coffee's fine. Water? Coffee? Yeah, coffee's okay. great. This is Heather. Heather and Dwayne live in northern Illinois, about an hour north of Chicago. This month, they're celebrating 21 years of marriage and 25 years together. Over the years, Heather and her husband have built a life together, a beautiful, big, full life. It's been a ride for sure. Okay, so my crew consists of six. Um, the three girls, then two boys, then a girl. The oldest one is married, and the first grandbaby is going to be born any day now. So we're super excited about that. Um, She's the cutest, by the way. uh, Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad she will. I hope she hears this because she doesn't feel it. She is. Um, She's adorable, right? We have another one that's moved out and, you know, living on her own with her boyfriend. And we have, you know, one in high school, freshman. We have one in fifth grade. And then we have Joy. And she is four and um, rambunctious and crazy and wild and um, fiercely independent. We have Seth, who would have been, oh my goodness, almost eight. Can you describe Seth a little bit for me? Sethy. The kid. He was the kid. He was like, it's the kid. It's the kid a kid. And he would just smile. It just flashes, you know, a little smile and his eyes would light up. And he just knew. Nobody really asks me about him. He was so caring. He would come into the room and he would come up to my legs and just put his head on my legs. Be like, hi, mama. Like, he was the check-in buddy. He was everybody's buddy in the family. We all had our own individual relationship with him that was just so special. But he was fierce, and he was very feisty. Uh, He was very impatient, Uh, especially when he was hungry. He was hangry (laughs) a lot. He liked a lot of frozen foods. Hummus was his favorite. He would just stand on the edge of the fridge and just scoop it into his mouth out of the tub and just eat it. So... Um, but he was very impatient. He just, he wanted things now, but he also just had this amazing ability to just observe. He could just walk in and just assess the room of like all of us and go, oh, they're the one who needs me the most. And then go and be with that person. Seth was light. Mm -hmm. He was a light to our family because he was born in a really dark time. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he was so fun and silly, he loved to dance, he loved to sing, uh, he loved all things uh, devices, <clears throat> all things devices, taking selfies, I mean, that was his his gift, uh, he was always up for me, I mean, if TikTok was around when he was still here, I mean, he would be the king of TikTok, so, mm-hmm. you know, he's he was one of us, for mm-hmm. sure. He had so many firsts. He had his first McDonald's Happy Meal. He had his first cream cone. He was- it was just an ordinary weekend with the family over at Heather's house. There was laughter and love, but Heather would never be able to prepare for what happened next. Oh my goodness. I was really angry at someone for feeling just so betrayed my husband and my kids were just really pouring God's truth into me about forgiveness. And I was, I was at the end of my rope. I was like, God, I am not forgiving another person. Like you are crazy. I'm not doing this. And, um, leading into, uh, Saturday and, 
this was the week before the weekend before Seth's birthday. So my in-laws had come up to celebrate his birthday. And we had been outside with the kids and running around and Seth took off and he never takes off and I was chasing him. And he kept looking over his shoulder and laughing and grinning at me and I was like, Seth Daniel, you get back here and he was ha ha mama and you know he'd laugh and he'd run and I finally caught up to him and I swatted his little behind, you know, and I was like, you don't run away from mommy, you know, and I'm like, and he's laughing. I can't even stay mad because he's laughing and I scoop him up. I'm like, oh, Seth, you drive me crazy and then holding him and, and he grabs my cross and he's like, kisses Jesus, mama. And I was like, okay, kisses Jesus. So that night we did a like a little birthday party for him and everything. And I remember um, our oldest was holding him to open his presents. And I was like, I wanna do this with him. I wanna hold him. She was like, mama, you get to have him on his birthday. And I was like, fine, mad. And I was still mad because I felt like God was asking me to forgive someone who really, really, really hurt me. So Sunday morning, I woke up early. It was like 3.30 in the morning and I felt this urgency of like, you need to write the blog and I want you to write about love is for, like love is forgiving and I want you to write her a letter. And the person he wanted me to write the letter to was my birth mom and forgive her for trying to kill me. And I was like, you are crazy. But I was like, okay, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. So I wrote this out, I, I wrote the blog, I wrote her a letter, I sent it to her on Facebook. I hadn't had contact with her since my wedding. Because, I mean, it was literally 16 years because that next weekend, that next Friday was our 16th wedding anniversary. So it had been 16 years since I had had contact. I wrote this letter and uh, I sent it. And I wrote this blog and like I told Dwayne, I said, I'm free. Oh my gosh, I am free. No one from my past can hurt me. Like I've forgiven everyone. I, uh, I felt elated and we came to church and this guy preached about his mom and, and their estranged relationship and how he trusted God to to minister to her and I was like oh I'm supposed to hear this you know and what timing and then we packed up the kids and we went to Six Flags and that was our last family day together and Seth had so much fun I mean he was riding all the rides with his dad and um, we finished out the park and we drove home and we had our last cuppy duh in bed together that's what he called his cup of milk his cuppy duh and uh, my husband's trying to put him to bed and he's like go leave get out you know, he wanted to cuddle mama. and So, um, Dwayne put him to bed and we went to sleep. And that next morning, I woke up again about 3.30 in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And I felt so alive and so excited. Like, came downstairs, journaled for like an hour, wrote another blog. And I heard Seth coming down the stairs and he was crying. Mama, mama, crying, crying, crying. He came into my office and he stayed behind me. And when I turned around to look at him, I said, what's wrong, buddy? He goes, mama, mouth, mouth. And he was crying and I was like, buddy, does your mouth hurt? And I thought, oh, he must be teething. So I gave him, tried to give him some Motrin. He wouldn't take it. He laid down on the floor behind me, wouldn't let me hold him. And then he came up next to me later and I scooped him up in my arms and I stood in my office and I was like, Lord, whatever it is you call me to do in this life, I trust you. I love you and I'm all in. Whatever you ask of me, I will do. Heather's family is homeschooled and it just so happened that that day public school was off. So the girls having a friend over pursued their mom to go out for snacks. I just remember driving away in his little face pressed against the window and um, got home from getting grocery or from getting snacks and it was time to make lunch 
and I'm fixing lunch and he comes up to me and he just wants me to hold him and I'm holding him and he's kissing Jesus a million times on my cross and he's kissing me and his arms are, I can still sometimes feel his little hands in the back of my hair, you know, rubbing my neck and um, I had to put him down because I was serving lunch. So he crawled up to the table and he got on his chair and he started pouring cups back and forth of soda and he's making such a mess <laughs> and um it was strawberry crush and i haven't bought that since um i don't think i ever could um and so he's pouring the cups back and forth and mckenna had gotten him to take uh motrin earlier in the day um and so we thought he you know he had medicine in him he should you know he should be okay and um he laid down on the chair at the table, and I just said, oh, you know, I think baby needs to go night-night. And um, I asked her to take him upstairs, and she did. She scooped him up, and she said, oh, baby, tell mommy night-night. And um, I said, night-night, baby, I love you. And I kissed him, and she took him upstairs. And that was about 1230. And then about um, 1 o'clock, I started feeling really tired. And I just looked at my husband. I said, you know, I think I'm going to lay down. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I just feel so, so unbelievably tired. I said, I'm, I'm just going to go lay down for a while. And he was like, okay, I've got clients, you know. You know, we'll catch up later. I'm like, okay. Went upstairs, and I walked into his room, and I always touch them. I always straighten their blanket. I always do all the mom things and I, I didn't do that I just I, I just Lord just 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 heal him whatever's hurting him just heal him and um, I went and laid down and about 3 30 I woke up and I could I could sense a, a feeling of go check on Seth but I kind of just blew it off and I was flipping through Facebook and I was praying for the bucket list baby. Heartbreaking day for a young Philadelphia couple who announced the birth and death of their baby Shane, known by so many now as the bucket list baby. The picture here taken at birth early this morning. Shane was born with a brain defect that kills most infants soon after birth. Knowing this was likely their fate, his parents, Dan and Jenna Haley, created a bucket list. And before Shane was even born, he met the Philadelphia Phillies and had been to the top of the Empire State Building just a few of those bucket list items. But they got them all done about four hours after Shane was born. He was baptized and then died peacefully in his mother's arms. The couple posting on their Facebook page today, quote, we are so grateful for the time we were blessed to hold and hug our son. And I was just praying. I, I just, my heart hurt so bad for them as parents. Like, how do you, how do you deal with such heavy, heavy sorrow like that? Like, I just, I'm so sorry, Lord, that they have to hurt like that. And, um, again, that urgency, go check on Seth, go check on Seth. And I... I remember getting out of the bed and I just remember, I just remember feeling weird. Like I was about to walk into something. I just didn't know what it was. And I walked in his room and I was like, Sethy, up, 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 buddy. Night, night time over, you know, something like that. And I went over and looked outside and it was really overcast and kind of drizzly. And he wasn't squirming in his bed or anything and you know normally they're all like you know and like maybe crying a little bit and, and I, I leaned down and I said Sethy and I touched him I just remember he felt so weird and I went to move him and he just kind of flopped over and the lights was out and it was pretty dark in his room but I could see that his body was very splotchy and um, his eyes were open and his mouth was open. I turn on the light.
still frozen. Like, my brain was trying to comprehend what was happening. I, I, I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and then it hit me, oh my God. Oh my God, Seth. And I could barely scream. I, I think it was just more of like a groan. And McKenna was the first one down the hall. She, she came to the doorway. She said, oh my God, Mom, it's Seth. She fell to the ground. And by that time, we were both screaming. Sethy, oh my God, oh my God, Sethy. And, um... I said, get daddy, get daddy. And Carmen went and she ran down the stairs. She fell down the stairs trying to get her dad. And I just remember him flying down the hallway like he was there within a minute. And he looked at me and he said, call 911. And he started CPR on him. And I'm calling 911 and I'm panicking and I'm like, I'm breathing so hard and 911's telling me to calm down. And they're like, I need to know your address and I tell them. And they're like, I need to know your address and I tell them. And they're like, I need to know your address and I tell them. And finally the 911 operator says, you need to go outside, we can't find you. And um, I hear Dwayne say, I think, I think I hear something. Seth, come back, come back. And I ran down the hall. And Isaac was at the end of the hall with Bella. And they said, Mama was crying. Oh my God, Seth is dead. Seth is dead. the stairs and I didn't know it at the time but Carmen was hiding under the table because she was so scared I remember just bursting outside my god my god help me my son my son and I'm screaming and I remember the house to the left of us the woman standing in her doorway with her dog and she's staring at me and I'm like completely falling apart and the neighbors across the way come out and they bring out their chairs and they sit down with their beer and they're just watching and I'm screaming help me oh my god oh my god and I remember I remember that that switch flipping in my brain I remember where it all just it wasn't real anymore I looked down the street and saw the first responders turning around in the middle of the street. They were trying to find us. And I'm still on the phone with 911. I have now told them five times where I live. And as soon as I saw the policewoman turn her car around again, because she saw me, I was waving her down like Titanic, like, come back, please, God help me, come back. And as soon as she turned her car around, that's when I collapsed in the driveway. And I remember the rain hitting me and I was in my socks. I was laying in the mud. And I was in agony. I remember saying, my son, oh God, my son. And the policewoman got out of her car. And she came to me and she said, oh mama, let's get you up. And as they were lifting me off the driveway, the paramedics were like, where is he? I was like, he's in the house with his daddy, he's upstairs. And Dwayne said they ran in and they literally just grabbed Seth and ran out. They didn't do anything. They just grabbed him and ran. They had him in the ambulance and driving away before I was even taken in the house. 
And when I got in the house, the detectives were there already. And they were there to investigate the suspicious death of a toddler, but they didn't tell us that. They just needed to know what happened. We didn't, they wouldn't confirm that he was dead. I knew he was dead, but they were acting like he wasn't dead. And the policeman took McKenna to the dining room and Carmen was upstairs. I don't know where the other kids were. They made me go over and over and over again what happened that day, what he wore, what he drank, what he touched, what he had. They took those cups and they took that soda. And they took his bedding. It was like an hour and a half and then they finally let us go to see our kids. And we told them we had to go see Seth. We had to see what was going on. And we would we would call them. We walked outside and they were taping off our street. Just like on TV, you know, where they tape off your street. And we got in the truck and... Wayne grabbed my hand and he starts screaming at me, pray, pray Heather, oh my God, pray. I think I, I begged and I pleaded, please use this as a living testament that you're real, that you're loving, that you're good, that you perform miracles, that you'll save him, please don't take him from us. got to the hospital we were getting out of the truck and we met each other around the side of the truck and I just remember looking at Dwayne and saying promise me this won't tear us apart promise me and he kissed me on the forehead and he said nothing's gonna tear us apart and we got inside just inside the doors of the emergency room and the detectives have already beat us there and they they introduced us to the doctor and they led us to the family room which is the small room the smallest room that you can cram two couches and two chairs in and um two chaplains were in there and the doctors the people that were in the ER when Seth was brought in and then the detectives are in there with us and the doctor, I just remember looking at him. He had tears in his eyes. He said, I'm so sorry we couldn't save your son. He was like that when he came in. We worked on him for 40 minutes. We did everything we could and there was no change. I'm so sorry. I remember just feeling my world just completely fall out underneath me. And um, I remember them saying something like, you gotta calm down. You can't see him unless you're calm. Who was saying that to you? Um, the detectives. They wouldn't let me see him. Um... So I calmed down, didn't have a choice. And they led us to the room he was in and he was laying there and they had a blanket on him. And we just, we both had our hand on his chest. And I think Dwayne said something like, say something. And I said, the Lord give it them, the Lord take it away. This would be the name of the Lord. And I remember singing.
loves me to him. And Dwayne said he knows he's with him. And we know that it was in that moment where we were standing in heaven's doorway, like, giving back God his son. And trusting that he would hold us and, you know, help us through this. And, um, we only got to be with him for, like, I think it was like 40 minutes. We didn't get to hold him. They wouldn't let us pick him out. Um, so we just hung out this little hand, kissed his little face a million times, and looked at his diaper, his little feet. Tried to remember everything I possibly could about him. And we thought that was it. We thought, okay. We gotta go home and tell our kids. But we were escorted out of the room and met by the detectives again. They had more questions for us. So it was like another hour. So we got went back to the family room again. And they let us leave and we got in our truck and we went to drive home. And we were both just like stone cold silence. Like, what do you say? We've just got nothing. We gotta go home and face these kids. What are we gonna say to them? I just, I couldn't believe this was happening and we get home and they had given us the stuffed bear and the blanket that was on him and I was like, sorry your kid died. Here, have a crappy bear and a blanket. I'm sure they meant way more than that, but that's how I felt. I got out of the truck and my kids saw me and I was holding that stupid bear and the blanket and they thought it was Seth. And then they realized it wasn't. And McKenna said, Mom, Mom, Sethy. And I remember just falling to my knees. Oh God, my baby. And I just remember crying the hardest I've ever cried in my life. And when your mom showed up, I looked at her and I said, this is really real, isn't it? She said, yeah, honey, it is. She said, I'm so sorry. My mom is a compassion minister for Alpine Chapel. I didn't sleep that first night. I stared at the streetlight all night, wondering how the hell we were ever going to survive it. Uh, I'm grateful to say that I don't stare at streetlights anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, next month will be five and a half years. Um, and uh, it's well with my soul. So what he actually died from was complications of bronchitis and pneumonia. And the coroner said it was very beginning stages and wouldn't have killed him if not for the lung issue. It was called child interstitial lung disease. They didn't even know what would happen. They only would have found it with a pediatric pulmonologist. He would have been chronically ill. As far as they knew, he was only sick for six hours. I asked Heather, did it help knowing the diagnosis? And all she could say was that it sucked. And I get that. It freaking sucked. They didn't even get to fight for him. I don't think that that means that everything's fine. It's just that I've come to a place now where I'm not asking why. I'm not angry that it happened. I'm more angry that people are still astonished that I'm still grieving. Um, well, you know, this is grief. Mm -hmm. Welcome to it. This you know? big, heavy word. Yeah, like, 
just be grateful it's not a part of your life because I think what people don't realize is grief happens to you. Yes. It's not something you choose. Right. So how do you make sense of the senseless? Well, Heather has her faith. She has it to lean on. But even so, even with God, losing your child isn't going to be easy. Life isn't going to be easy. They just haven't experienced it yet. Mm-hmm. I've had a long time to process everything that's happened. And I think that's part of the grieving process too. Was For us, it was just so traumatic, the way we lost him. Absolutely. The way that he died was just so horrific and traumatic. And it took me like two years to process that he was even gone. Um, and that I lost my mind when I lost him. And then it took me another two years to get through the fact that I had PTSD because of it. And this last year and a half has been about how do you live beyond PTSD? Can you? Even people of faith are just people. Death is hard. PTSD is hard. Post-traumatic stress disorder. So what the heck is it? Well, it's a disorder where a person has difficulty recovering after a terrifying event. It could last months or years. And certain triggers bring back all the memories and trauma. Is it possible? And I will say yes, because... Life beyond PTSD looks like I work full-time now. You know, I'm not at home anymore with my kids. I'm I'm a different person. I am nothing like I used to be. I'm stronger than I used to be. Uh, My faith is much deeper than it used to be. Um, My compassion and my ability to see beyond what's there on the surface is greater than it was before. How have things been with family and friends now? I have a mentor um, that I see every week that I talk to almost daily. It's good, you know, letting people into the space where you just want to isolate yourself because no one's going to understand it. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to go, why aren't you just joyful? After loss, things that were once easy can start to look a lot different. Heading into fall, Heather's family coined the phrase Hell Week. Hell Week begins with the tragedy of Seth coming home, then his birthday, and Heather's wedding anniversary, and their daughter's birthday as well. So... In September, we usually start to talk about what do we want to do for Seth's birthday. And every year we come back to Seth loved family picnic in the living room, which was consists of rotisserie chicken, um, cantaloupe, hummus, of course, peppers. Those were his favorite. Corn. <laughs> Always got to have the corn. Um, and like just snacky crackers and chips and all those things like those were his favorite and so that's what we do for his birthday Mm -hmm. and then we usually go away as a family we can't go away that week anymore we've realized that we just we ruin our whole vacation because it's hell week (laughs) and we put so much pressure on each other to be happy that we're away that we just completely like destroy family time um and our vacation is just completely um it's so sad everybody's just uh, it's just not good so we don't go away that week anymore we just go away like a week later um we We probably need it a week later after hell week yeah we still (laughs) don't know how to celebrate his birthday sure like it's so horrific like we Someone said, oh, you should buy presents and give them to another little boy. Yeah, no, um, I'm not going to do that. Um, you should bake a cake. No, Seth didn't even like cake. He didn't like chocolate. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
we, I guess we could eat ice cream. It, nothing feels right. We don't sing happy birthday. Mm-hmm. We don't, we all have our own way of saying happy birthday in heaven, Stephanie. We miss you. We love you. Um, Isaac likes to let go of a balloon and send a message to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is deeply affected. I mean, I say it all the time. Isaac lost his only, he lost his only brother. Someone said that to me, and it just really resonated with me that, yes, Isaac lost his only. Like, his sisters lost one of their brothers, Mm -hmm. but he lost his only brother. So it's different for him. Right. And um, I just had this conversation with the 15-year-old the other day. She was like, I was saying, you know, I'm sorry that you you guys lost your mom and she checked out when your brother died. And she was like, yeah, but mom, you weren't the only one that checked out. Like, my sisters checked out as my sisters and they checked back in as my mom. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in our 21st year of marriage and Twain and I are rebuilding our family. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have to be mentally strong to do that. And I also have to be physically strong to do that, to withstand the hard work that we're going to go through to rebuild the family. But I think that's the desire that's pl- been placed in me now. That desire to want to be a part of life and living again. It's just a big empty hole where they once were. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you build your life around that hole. And yeah. I mean, that life is good that you're building around it. But there's still a hole there. There's still a void. There's still an just a profound absence and silence because they're not there there's a big ache yeah the the silence is so deafening without him so deafening Mm -hmm. and my house is loud but it is just without him it's you know we notice that almost instantly and it's like we just i think we're all at a point now where it's like we just want to live the best life we possibly can with each other. But what does that look like? And how do we work through the hard? Like, we don't take family pictures. Family pictures are hard. How do you do that? I want to. I want them so bad. But there's some of us that just, it hurts them. Yeah. And it's like, they were kind and compassionate and caring for me to work through my hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be kind and caring and compassionate for them to work through their hurt. And I'm just going to trust that God has a time for everything, you know. So a family picture will come when it comes. Yeah, grief comes with a gaping hole. I don't know if you know who Jacko is, but he's this Navy SEAL who's seen more than I can fathom. He was asked such a great question about grief on his podcast. So here we go from the Jocko podcast. Let's take a listen. My wife and I suffered three weeks of turmoil, which including losing, which included losing a child. How do I expedite that moment when we pick up ourselves, pick ourselves up and keep moving forward? Because I'm done sulking and we need to move forward. Basically, how to push through. So, I mean, obviously, that's heartbreaking, and I can't even imagine the pain that you are going through in this situation. It's one of those things, we've talked about this before, the fact is, we don't really have a cultural protocol for what to do when we lose a loved one. have to basically make up that protocol I, I can't I can't dictate what that protocol is going to be for you but I can tell you some things from my perspective from some of the things that I've been through I can tell you my perspective on loss And the first thing is that you already know it's going to be wretched. And you're not going to escape it. 
that's going to come, it's going to come in waves. And at first, you won't even notice that they're waves because all the waves are going to be so close together and they're going to be so continual and they're going to be right on top of each other and the pain and the sadness is going to feel like it's so heavy it's going to feel like you are drowning in sorrow like you're not going to get any air and like you're not going to be able to escape that sadness that's what the waves feel like at first you won't be able to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in the light now, or I'm smiling right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go back there. No, you're not gonna be able to control it. That's scary. It's scary because we, we get used to as adults, hey, we can kind of get control of things, and now all of a sudden you're not gonna have control. It's gonna hit you, and you're gonna feel it. But again, like a wave, like a wave in the ocean, that is gonna eventually subside again, and you'll see a little bit of light and you'll get a little bit of a smile and you'll feel okay for a second and then guess what another wave's gonna hit you don't let that scare you because i'm telling you that that wave is going to subside again and this is going to go on it's going to go on and the waves they will become weaker and what you need to realize is just because the waves are becoming weaker this doesn't mean that you love your child less or you miss them less or that you aren't crushed at their passing. It just means that you're starting to be able to deal with it, which is what you're supposed to do. And as the waves get weaker, which they will, they'll also appear less frequently. And again, that's okay. It doesn't child all the time it just means that it's being dealt with and then there's that standard service you're gonna do the memorial you're gonna do the burial and when that's over see them on the 
other side. And then go live your life. And those waves are still going to come. And there's still going to be pain. And there's still going to be sorrow. Jacko draws such a beautiful illustration of what grief can look like, but there's so many different types of ways that grief can look in between that. It doesn't have to look exactly like that. Honestly, it's probably not going to. No matter what, it's going to be messy. And no matter what, it's going to be really, really sad. But I'm not your typical grieving mom, I guess you'd say. Like, I don't go to his grave. I hate his grave. I hate that that's part of our story. Maybe I won't always feel that way, but I feel that way now. It makes me very sad to be there. I don't feel like some people say, oh, I just feel so peaceful when I go to my loved one's grave. No, I don't feel peace. Um, I didn't want to bury him because I knew I was going to be this way. And I think it's because I had to work so hard on my heart and my mind on the day that he was buried that it was just his earthly shell and not actually him. Because I would have wanted to, like, dive into the grave with him. I want to be where he is. But as much as I want to be where he is, I want to be here. Mm -hmm. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my husband. I want to live my life. I want to... I want to live a life that points others to Jesus. I want to be inspiring in a way that is tangible for others. Not like, I could never do anything she does, you know, because she's just like a saint. I'm not a saint. It's getting, I don't want to say better. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that the grief is better. Mm -hmm. I would just say that it's different and I've learned how to cope with it better mm -hmm. you have to bring in humor somewhere yeah I mean it all just can't be so sad all the time it's too much if it's that it's too much my life has been such a sad life you know and then I met my husband and then you know everything just started to come to life but then I was still just kind, kind of trying to go through all the things that I had been through in my younger years and just all the trauma that I suffered as a kid even and yeah. you know dealing with all of that it's like I I didn't want to go back to that. I wanted. I kept trying to break free and break free. And then in my late 30s is when I was finally starting to break free of that. And then, you know, Seth dies. And here I am in my 40s. And 42 is just around the corner. And, um, you know, life is devastatingly good. I, I you know, I laugh more. Uh, crack jokes. And um, I can be, I can be a person at work. I don't have to spill my guts to everyone and feel just like I'm exposed everywhere I go and, you know, just a crying, sad, and mess. I can, you know, I'm a part of, you know, board meetings and stuff like, what is life? What? <laughs> you know, like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never would have. I wouldn't have written this story. Yeah. I wouldn't have asked you to. <laughs> You go, girl. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? What is life? I say that like almost daily now. Like, what is life? Totally allowed. Because it is nutty. And I, you know, honestly feel like an adult for the first time. Which is probably pretty shocking. It's only going to be 42. <laughs> Do you feel like an adult? Never. I don't think I'm ever. I, I hope by the time I'm your age, I get there. Honestly, I'm telling you, I finally feel like an adult. Like, I feel like Dwayne and I have an adult marriage. Like, we talk about adult things. We act like adults. 
I mean, we still have fun and crack jokes and joke Heck around yeah. and, you know, all the things. But, I mean, we've had to deal with some really serious issues. So, um, we're not just running away and butting heads and, and whatever. You know, we're, we're grounding ourselves in the truth. You know, like, this is what it is. This is what we need to do. This is our plan. You know, and the prayer for each other and prayer for the family and... Yeah, we're growing up. We're all grown up. <laughs> I love it. Ugly things happen to some of the most beautiful people I know. The push and the pull between the crap hands we've been dealt in life and then opening ourselves up to the suffering of others. It's not easy. And faith doesn't mean it's any easier to deal with the unbelievable. There's no justification for the dead people in our lives. We don't know why these things happen. And we won't know until we meet on the other side. So life looks different after Seth's death. And being a person of faith doesn't mean you get a free pass on grief. It still hurts that Seth is dead. Grief is sad. But through grief, Heather still has her faith.